0: Would you please join me in reading Selection from Colossians, reading together. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing songs, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
1: We will be in Colossians three, fifteen through seventeen. Let's pray. And now, Lord, as we look into your word, we ask for your grace. To teach us, and your mercy to continue to help us apply the things, and, and Lord, just for your wisdom, so that we will understand and know what it is you want us to from these, from these verses, and then, Lord, we pray for your Spirit to empower us and help us to be able to apply them, and so, Lord, as we look into these verses, we ask for you to lead and teach, we ask in your name, amen. Please be seated. As I studied these verses this week, I kept thinking, man, I could do a week on each one of the verses. There's <laughs> just so much and really powerful, powerful teaching in these three verses. The word peace is one of those words that uh, we define all kinds of different ways. Um, if I ask you to tell me what you think peace means, or how you would experience peace. um, That would be an interesting conversation to have, and there'd be different ways that we look at that. But peace sometimes refers to the lack of conflict between two nations. They're not fighting each other, they're not at war. Peace may refer to harmony being restored between uh, two people, whether it's a husband and wife, or an estranged brother, uh, father and a son, Uh, We may speak of inner peace as that quiet inner calmness that a person has when they feel safe and secure. Uh, World peace would be one of those ones which uh, we would describe as uh, the whole idea that there are no wars, there are no police actions, there are no rumors of wars. There's basically, uh, in each nation and in all the nations... There is a sense of peace with each other. When people try to imagine and describe what brings them peace, if they're in a troubled, agitated kind of a situation, and <clears throat> maybe it's worry over something. I've heard people say, you know, I love to, I love to sit in, in, in a cabin or in front of the cabin in the woods by a quiet lake, and that that's a peaceful setting for them. I've heard others say something like, uh, I love to be up really high somewhere in the mountains and just look out on all there is. For me, it has always been a rocky beach with waves crashing. I mean, just boom, constant noise, and just being able to look at that power and go, wow. And the other, interestingly enough, is sunsets. I love sunsets, watching that sun come down and... <clears throat> all of the amazing colors. And, and, and I was thinking about this week, why is it that those kinds of things impact us in that way? And I think for me, there's just this sense of God is in control of all these waves. God's in control of all of those colors. God's in control of all things. And so all the things that were going on and were causing me to be agitated or, or to be worked up about something or or to be anxious to be in that kind of a setting reminds me, God's got this. Let's read verse 15 together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. The peace of Christ Peace of Christ, the call of God for salvation. That's how we can have peace with Christ, through salvation. And, and, and we can rest and be secure in him. That's, that's part of the peace of Christ. It's the peace of Christ because it comes from him. It's the peace he gives. And when we believe on the Lord Jesus and we're saved and, and he makes us new, uh, then we have peace with God. And Romans 5.1 tells us about that. We have peace with God. Why? Well, since we have been justified through faith, and that's important for us to remember, we're not justified, we're not made right with God, we are not um, made holy and pure in God's eyes by anything that we do. Nothing we do can make that happen. So when we put our faith and our trust in what Jesus did for us, and so when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're saved, then we have Present tense, right then, starting at that moment, we have peace with God. We've gone from being enemies of God to sons and daughters of God. And that is so critical as we're thinking this through. And so, we have, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Well, this is the start of it. We have peace with God because we have been saved. We've been born again. The second way is to have peace with God. Um, there's the peace with God, and then there's the peace of God. And this is, this is another part that sometimes we just kind of go through this and we don't think much about it, but I have peace with God because I'm born again, I'm saved, and I belong to Him. And so then I have the peace that God can give me, the peace of God. So if I'm facing all kinds of horrendous things and, and I look at my week and I go, God, I'm not going to make it through this without your help. And I have the peace of God to face those things that I have to face that week. Philippians 4-7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Paul saying to them, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule in your hearts. Um, The net translation says, verse 15 puts it this way, Let the peace of Christ be in control in your heart. Let the peace of Christ be in control. It's a whole idea of rule in your heart, and and let the peace of Christ decide every debate, or let it manage and control all things. Let my relationship, your relationships with, with God through Jesus change how we see what's going on around us. As we grow in our relationship with Him and in our walk with Him, we need to see our difficulties and struggles and fears and doubts with a firm view that we, are, we are, have peace with, with God. And we have peace of God. And, and, and to be thinking through all that that means. One of the things that I came across this week was the statement that someone made, do nothing which violates the peace of God. Do nothing which violates the peace of God. So, I, someone asked me a question, and I really don't want to answer it, so I just kind of, you know, him and haw and, and don't say much of anything. And uh, what am I doing? I'm straining that peace that I would normally have because I'm trying to hide something for whatever reason that might be. Or maybe I go ahead and just outward lie. And, and then all of a sudden, the peace is gone. And so, again, if we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, it's the whole idea of having him control uh, our lives. And so let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And that's in a critical part of it, too. As a church, we are one body, and we are called to peace within that body. And, and, and if it's one body and we are together and we're fighting back and forth, then there's no peace there. There's, there just isn't. And so the call from Paul here is let the peace of Christ, which each of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ have, let that rule. So you're having a problem with a sister so-and-so and, and brother so-and-so is getting on your nerves. Let the peace of Christ rule. And that means you go back to the Lord and you say, Lord, he's my brother. he's my sis- She's my sister. Help me to Respect them and to honor them in the way that I speak to them. Since, as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Now, there's two imperatives in this verse. Two, an imperative is an authoritative command. It's like, you, know, you want to see what this command is? Well, it's going to be bold. It's going to be underlined. It's going to be highlighted. It's going to be just kind of flashing there. And that's what we mean by an imperative. And the first one is in verse 15. Uh, the first part of verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule. And, and the way it's written is, let rule the peace of Christ. And so the emphasis is on let it rule. That's what's supposed to be happening. The peace of Christ is supposed to rule within us. And, and so that's one that's there. And then the other one is be thankful. Let rule the peace of Christ, but also <clears throat> be thankful. And uh, he's writing to a church, um, and it's been struggling, going through hard things. They've had false teachers coming in and saying all kinds of stuff. And Paul says, you need to let the peace of Christ rule, and you need to be thankful. And both of these are stated very forcefully for them to remember. Um, just, you know, again, think of the word rule, and, and and the thing that comes to mind for me is a throne. And a king, and really, what Paul is saying here is, let the peace of God rule in you. In other words, get off the throne of your own life, and let Christ rule like He wants to. Let Him be the one that's in control. Let Him be the one that you call on. And and it's I, I love word pictures, and so it's, it's as if I'm saying, okay, Lord. Yeah, this isn't my throne. This is supposed to be yours. And and so I get off the throne. Christ comes and I humbly bow as he takes the throne. Now, I don't want to push that too far, but the reality is it's let the peace of God rule in your heart. There's an implication or two here, so let's just take a minute to to look at those. Um, Verse 15 from the Phillips translation says it this way. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, remembering that as members of the one body, the church, you are called to live in harmony. Never forget to be thankful for what God has done for you. I love the way he puts that. I just, I, he caught some of the nuances there by using a few more words, but. I love that whole idea, let the peace of Christ rule in you. Remember, you're members of one body, and you are to live in harmony. That's your calling. And then be thankful. I came across this quote, which I thought was interesting. Letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts means allowing the truth of what Christ has done for us to dictate our actions. Think that one through. You know, letting the peace of Christ rule means we think through, what is it that Christ has done? And how should what Christ has done dictate my life and the way I speak and the way that I act? And Paul wrote very similar things to the Philippian church. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he said this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And and on one level, sometimes I feel like we're saying to people, well, don't worry, be happy. That's not what Paul's doing here. Paul's not saying that you don't have any reason to be anxious. He's saying, I understand why you might be anxious. Um, whatever it may be, whatever it is that's causing you anxiety and fear, what he says is instead of focusing on that and letting that become like a hamster on a wheel, just going round and round and round, and you're getting more worried and more worried and more upset, instead of that, he's saying, stop that focus and turn your focus on God and petition him with thanksgiving. Take your requests to God. I had a professor at Moody that said, um, take all of the things that you're struggling and facing and just have a conversation with God about it. Tell him why you're struggling. Tell him why that fear is there. Explain to him. Not he already knows, but explain it anyway. That's good for you. It's good for me when we have those conversations with God about whatever it is that's troubling us. And he goes on to say, and the peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So so what do we do um, when fear and anxiety comes crashing down on us, and it, it happens to all of us from time to time? We, we can despair, and we can wallow in that, and we can continue to get more and more fearful, or we can take what Paul said and say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try praying. I need your help, because right now I don't feel like it. But Lord, I'm going to try praying. And so no matter how hard it is, we, we begin to focus on what it is that, that we want to talk to the Lord about. We start that conversation. And and as we're having that conversation, we can be totally honest and transparent with God. The reality is He already knows. But it's when we speak it and begin to sh- say it in prayer that we begin to realize and see and think through what it is that's going on. Yeah, I was just thinking through how whatever I was going to be fearful of God, I'm really scared. Uh, you told me to pray, so here I am. Thank you, Lord, that you listen. And please, Lord God, help. When I pray and I'm in those situations, that word comes out a lot. I'm full of fear, Lord, but I, but I want to trust you. Help me, Lord. I, I want to. Lord, you promised your peace. If I come with thanksgiving, even in my fears, Lord, come through, Please. You promised your peace would transcend all that I'm thinking, and I really need for that to happen. And so, Lord, help me. It's interesting for me, a lot of the times when I'm struggling and, and I have to have a conversation like that, it's not some huge, huge deal, but it's enough to take my mind off of where it needs to be, it's enough to, to make me think differently about some things, it applies whether it's something small or something huge. I remember many years ago we were um, in La Paz at the time and um, the church we were working with was mostly university students and, and professionals and and um, we were at a time frame where we we're under military rule. We were actually under martial law at the time and that meant serious controls on just about everything you could imagine and it meant soldiers actually walking the streets with uh, with weapons and it meant that nobody went out after dark. I mean, you weren't forbidden to be out after dark. And so in the midst of all of this, you know, I've got these gung-ho college students and others who are saying, we need to have a retreat. And I said, uh, yeah, well, you know, that's going to be hard to do. Oh, no, no, we need to find, you know, so they found a place where we could do it and, and they started making all the arrangements and, and you know, you don't want to squash that kind of enthusiasm at any time. So I said, all right, well, let's, let's go ahead and do it and, and um, the day before we were going to go, I was supposed to take six guys down, drop them off so that they could work on the campgrounds, clean it, get everything ready, so that when the rest of us came the next day, we could get right into the retreat. So we were supposed to leave it right at sunrise, and by about one o'clock, I thought, man, this is not looking good. And at two o'clock, when we finally drove out, I'm thinking, okay, three hours down, three hours back, uh, there's no way I'm getting back here in time. And I started to get really concerned about that. We did get down there, drop them off. They were all excited about doing what they needed to do. And I turned around and say, okay, I've got three hours to get back into town before it gets dark. Well, it was already getting dark. And so at that point, I'm starting to think, Lord, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, all right, I'll just, I'll just drive. And if I get stopped somewhere, I'll just sleep in the car until, until sun up. And as I'm driving along, all of a sudden I see four soldiers up ahead waving me down which is not a real comfortable thing to have happen in the middle of the night. So I pulled over and they said, uh, can you take us uh, to La Paz? I said, sure. Three jumped in the back, the officer jumped in the front. They've all got weapons. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this might be what you're doing, but boy, this is not comfortable right now for me. Went on through every checkpoint we got to, the officer just waved out the window and they, they let us through until we got to the big checkpoint with all the soldiers and with Uh, And this was right at the edge of the city. Now, it's about maybe 1 o'clock at night. And the officer says, hey, Luis, you've got the machine gun. Why don't you go up and make them open the door for us or open the gate? And so I'm just kind of thinking, okay. And sure enough, Luis goes up and has this machine gun in his hand. And he says, hey, uh, my officer says open the gate. And they said, okay. And they opened the gate. We went into town. I dropped them off. And I mean, it's the middle of the night. Nobody is out. I'm the only one. I got to my house, went inside, went to sleep, and then everything went great on the retreat. But as I was thinking about that, I would never have put all those things together to make that happen. But that's the peace of God all of a sudden was becoming very real and a whole bunch of little steps. And he brought me where I needed to be right on time for the next day. And oh, by the way, it was a great retreat. It was good for everybody. And we had a good time to be able to focus on the Lord, and because we we're out of the city, we didn't have to worry about all the things going on there that, that were kind of on everybody's minds. Let the peace of Christ rule, and never forget to be thankful for what God has done. And that's, that, that story always comes back to mind when I think of the peace of God, because I didn't have any. I just did not have it. But God was very, very real and worked through that whole thing. Let's move on to 16, but let's read these verses together first. There we go. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Next one. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So let the peace of Christ rule in you richly. And now it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Uh, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, I'm sorry. But let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ... God's word dwell in you richly. Live in it. Be at home in it. Let, let God's word take up residence permanently. Um, and, and again, this is one of those imperative commands where it says, and really it's let dwell the word of God in you. So the, 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 the whole point of what he's saying is let dwell. Let this be something that is your focus, that God's word be dwelling in you in a powerful and in a meaningful way. So let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish. And the whole idea of teaching is giving truth and the other is warning against error. So as you teach and admonish with all wisdom, and this is all of the wisdom that God gives, that's how we are supposed to be teaching and admonishing. And then he goes on to say, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now remember, they had access to the Old Testament in some ways. They didn't have any of the New Testament yet. I mean, well, this was... One of the letters that was going to become part of the New Testament, but, you know, they didn't have a lot. But what he's saying is, as you sing Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, there are different places as you read through the New Testament that they say, now this sounds like it was an early hymn of the church. Paul's got several of those. Philippians chapter two, that whole section on on Christ. And, and and that these were songs that all of the churches had, had been taught. And it came right out of the teachings of the apostles. So it's very possible they had the oral teaching, yes, and they had memorized many things. And a lot of things were put to music so that they could continue to, to know those things and have those things be al- alive and well in their hearts. So as you teach and admonish everyone with sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with, again, here it comes, gratitude in your hearts to God. So Thanksgiving is the bottom line again. Um, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, and do these things for each other. Let God's Word be at home, taking control of all things. And then with an attitude of gratitude, you, you come to God. Now, we'll come back and do some more with that in just a minute. But let's go on to verse 17, and again, let's just read all three verses this time. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now again, you've got that little card in there if you want to put these verses to memory. These are great verses to do that with. I love the fact that he says, whatever you do, whatever you do, Now, whatever you do is one of those phrases that you try to find something that's not in that. Try to find something that's not in that phrase, whatever you do. But just in case they didn't have a full understanding of that, Paul says, and whatever you do, whether it be in words or deeds, So now he's narrowed it down a little bit for them. It's still just as broad. It's just that he's given a little bit more understanding to it. So he says, whether it be in word, and I think as you think about this, it needs to be, what words am I thinking? What words am I writing? What words am I saying? So whatever you do, whether in word or deed, and that's actions, any kind of action whatsoever. So now you go back to whatever you do. Well, that's it. It's it's all there. And he narrows it down, saying, "Let me just break it apart: word or deed, everything is covered." So he says, "Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Um, whatever you say or do, do it all. That's that's the the command there. Do it all, whatever you say, and do do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus." And so again, you've got this sense of okay, so. Um, whatever I do, word or deed, I need to do all of it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, And you start thinking through, what does that mean? Um, It means whatever we do, whatever we think, whatever we say. In the name of Jesus, it's the whole idea that words uh, that we say and actions that we do should be such that they would be honoring to him. People do many things in memory of someone. Uh, or they do things in dedication of someone. I've, heard, I've seen people at concerts say, I'm dedicating this song to... And maybe it was a mom or a dad that had always believed in them. Maybe it's their, their fiancé or something. And so they, they dedicate what they're going to sing at that point in time to that person. Well, that's, what, that's what's being said here. In what way are you dedicating all that you do and all that you say to the Lord Jesus? In what way am I saying, I want to honor the Lord Jesus in these things that I'm saying and in these things that I'm doing. So whatever we do, we dedicate it to Him, we represent Him as we're doing it, and we seek to honor Him as a result of all of that. So whatever you do, word, deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And here it comes again, third time, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We have access to God because of Jesus Christ. Now, there's an implication here I want to just touch on. Uh, Verse 17 says, again, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You want a verse to say you want to kind of keep before you for a while to live it out? This, This is a good one came across this quote, in all places and in all ways, the believer is to honor the name of the Lord Jesus. All places, always, we are supposed to honor the name of the Lord Jesus. Now sometimes we don't understand fully how, how the name is used. Sometimes it says in the name of Jesus, and sometimes it just says in, in that name. And, and what we're talking about is that that's Jesus Christ that we're referring to when we say, when we say the name. And, and one of the places we find that out is right after um, Jesus had ascended into heaven, you've got the disciples there in Jerusalem, and, and um, at one point Peter and John were going to the temple, if you remember that time. They are going to the temple, and they're heading on into the temple, and there's a cripple outside of the temple who's asking for money. So he asks them for money. You remember Peter looks at him and says, I don't have any money. I'm sure the guy said, well, then just move along, right? Just keep going. But he said, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up. And that's what it says in verse 10. Um, So he gets up, and they're jumping around and hollering, and he's walking with them as they head on into the temple, causing a ruckus. I guess only in Jerusalem, with people who wanted to see nothing, wanted to have nothing to do with Jesus, would people who just healed a cripple end up in jail overnight. But they end up in jail overnight, and then they come out the next day. And the priests and the rulers and the elders do not want to talk about this, but they want to know how this man was healed. And, And Peter says this in 4:10. It is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? And so he stands up there and boldly, boldly, boldly proclaims this to them, um, the same people who put Jesus to death. He's the ones talking to them. And then they ask him some questions, and then he goes on to say in 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No other name. It's in the name of Jesus that this man was healed. It's in the name of Jesus that we are saved. It's through him and the power of his name. And that's not just some some thing that we, we think of mystically. This is the name of Jesus Christ. And when we use that word name biblically, it means Jesus Christ. And so we, we look at that and we go, wow, Paul reminds us we're saved in the name of Jesus. And he reminds us of that so that we can honor Jesus. So we're saved in the name of Jesus because of the name of Jesus. We're saved for one purpose, to honor him, to dedicate our lives to him. That is what we should be doing as believers in Christ. What do we take away from all this? I came across this quote that I thought was really good. The peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. Isn't that good? The peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And The reality is, if you're going back to the earlier verses in chapter 3 where Paul said, put on, and he tells us all these amazing things that we're supposed to put on, and, and, and he tells us to take off and the things that we're supposed to take off, we can't do any of that without the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working in us. And so it's as we study and learn from God's Word so that we can be impacted in powerful ways. And, and not just knowing facts and information, but getting to know God the one who loved us enough to send his son now the scribes and Pharisees in Jesus day were in the word you could not say that they didn't know the word they did they copied it they taught it they could quote it but it was the word in them and that's a really good question uh, Isaiah actually said about them many years earlier but it still applied these people honor me with their words but their hearts are far from me. And so you've got all these knowledgeable men who know the Word of God. They can quote it. They can... All, of, all the things that you could possibly... Know, they could argue back finer points of the law. It didn't matter. They didn't have a relationship with God. They, they did the sacrifices. They did the feasts, but it never touched their hearts. Otherwise, stop and think about this. Um, how would you explain... The wise men showing up at Jerusalem and saying, "Hey, you know, we've come to honor the king that was born, the, ki- the the one that was born king of the Jews," and it sets the whole city of Jerusalem into just a panic. And they do the research and they say, "Well, yeah, that would be over down there in Bethlehem." And so they send them down to Bethlehem. King says, "Hey, come back and tell me about it when you're when you're done." But they go on down to Bethlehem. Did any scribe or Pharisee set their foot outside Jerusalem to check it out? Not that we know of. Not that we know of. And they knew the word. They understood the word, I think, on some level. But they did not apply it to themselves, and they had no relationship with God. Otherwise, they would have been waiting like Simeon and Anna for the Messiah to show up. Those people had a relationship with God. Those people knew the Word of God. And as a result of that, they were at the temple waiting when Jesus was brought in. And just, we have so many ways of learning and studying the Bible, and so the question becomes, will we? And I think that's a good question. Um, I've never wanted to put anybody in a, on a guilt trip because they aren't reading 100 chapters of the Bible a day or a week or whatever, I lived through some of that myself. Um, And being someone who had serious difficulties reading, reading 10 chapters of the Bible a day just about turned me away from God. Uh, Not seriously, but boy, it made me realize if this is how I get to know God, it's not working. Uh, And it was down the road quite a ways further that I started working on learning, hey, if I read a paragraph and I enjoy what I'm reading and I learn something from it, that's way better than for me to read all of these chapters. And so I do not want to put a guilt trip on anyone, but when it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that does mean we need to be involved in some way in that process. Now, we are so fortunate in this time frame that we have got phone apps that you can get a phone app from Radio Bible Class, our our daily bread. You can get all kinds of, of ways of getting something each day. And I'm not saying you have to, like I say, spend an hour and a half, two hours but I want to encourage you, if this isn't part of what you already do, to find some way to do that. And, and next week I hope to have a, a list of a bunch of places you can go and do either, either on your phone app or get an email or you can go to their Facebook page and, and get all kinds of amazing just five, ten-minute things that you can learn from. And, and again, we, we also have a, our daily breads that we provide. They go quick, so if you see them out there, you want one. But you can get this on your phone. You can get this in an email. And it's also on Facebook. There's all kinds of ways to get it. And then today in the Word for Moody is another one. There's several others out there that are really good. My encouragement is just do something. If you're doing nothing, do something. And remember that it's about pursuing our walk with the Lord. It's not about massively learning tons of information. It's about drawing closer to the Lord. And we do that through His Word, by His Spirit. So that's my encouragement. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer those for you and help you to get some tools that, that might be helpful for you. <clears throat> and if, you're, if you love reading 10, 15, 20 chapters a day, and that's good for you, keep doing it. That's wonderful. For me, uh, it was a serious, serious thing that didn't work. I found this old song, and went, all of us to say together the last two lines, but I'll read the first part of each verse and then we'll, we'll say those last lines. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say together, only when life will soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow, Thy word to keep faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing Thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the word now let me tur- world now let me turn, living for Thee and Thee alone, bringing Thee pleasure on Thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So we're going through these verses this morning. You could say there's some things that we learn. And one is that we want to have the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We want the word to dwell richly in us. And we want to do everything, word or deed, dedicated to the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And thank you that you make it so clear And there are things that we can always take away and and things that we can learn. and, 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 Lord, you long for us to seek you and to draw near to you. Lord, you're not trying to hide yourself from us. And so we thank you for that. Help us to pursue you, each one of us, Lord. I pray for that to be a challenge for each of us this next week. We ask this in your name. Amen.